0: All right, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John this evening. The book of 1 John, 1 John and uh, chapter 3, the book of 1 John chapter 3. And boy, it's so nice to be back in the house of the Lord when Sunday goes by and uh, you're not able to come for whatever reason. It sure feels weird. It just doesn't feel right. And so it's nice to be back in the house of the Lord tonight. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. And um, beginning in verse number 19, 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 19 tonight. Let's go ahead and stand in reverence to God's word. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 19. The Bible says, And hereby we know. That we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God's greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight." And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Let's again go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do pray now that you would just bless. Father, I pray that you would just lead and guide and direct. Lord, allow me, as inadequate as I am, Father God, to be your mouthpiece tonight. And Father, we just thank you for the the privilege. We thank you for the honor of being in your service. Lord, of being in your church. And Father God, of being in your family. Bless this time now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. You know, when it comes to serving the Lord, there are many things that we can be sure of. One thing we can be absolutely positive about is that Christianity is not a game of chance. Aren't you thankful that we are not playing the heavenly lottery, uh, that uh, there's, there's more to it than that, and that it is a sure thing? And also when it comes to our prayers, we don't have to wonder whether God is hearing them, particularly if we're living for him. Concerning our sins, it's not, well, maybe God will forgive them. The Bible tells us that all manner of sin shall be forgiven men. And uh, when uh, it comes to, um, boy, just God being there for us, when it comes to our everyday lives, we never have to wonder whether God is watching or caring. He does watch and he does care. Hebrews 13:5 says he has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13 reminds us that there hath no temptation taken you but such as, such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So we don't have to go into any day wondering, man, is God going to show up today? Now we do have to wonder that about people. We have to wonder that about individuals. There is no such thing as a sure thing. Even the most faithful people, even the most loyal people, the most dependable people sometimes have to, well, uh, succumb to the weather or circumstances. Or as you get older, just plain forgetfulness. Sometimes we have to wonder, man, is so-and-so going to be here? Is so-and-so going to show up? Is, uh, uh, are they going to come through But with God, we never have to wonder. If God doesn't come tomorrow and we've got to live through Monday, God's going to live through it with us. And he will never leave us or forsake us. We can be thankful that none of the promises in God's word are uh, probabilities. If you live accordingly, the blessings promised won't probably come your way. They will most definitely Come your way regardless of how one might feel What society might say or what common sense Even may convey God's word always rings True I always think about the illustration given to us In the word of God when God told or what Jesus told the Disciples come let us go to the other side making That very subtle promise we're going to make it to the other side but he didn't promise that it was going to be without a storm and that it was going to be without hardships. So after they got into the boat and headed over to the other side. The Bible says that a a great wind came and the waves were crashing about that boat. The boat was filling up with water and the disciples began to doubt whether they were going to make it to the other side. As a matter of fact, to the point that they went and woke Jesus up and said, you don't care that we're going to die. And of course, Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. Because no matter how hard things get, we can always count on the Lord being there. And, of course, as we go through life and as he he gets us through these hardships, as as a matter of fact, I was talking to our banker today. We're talking now about finances. Man, we're getting to that point. It's getting so exciting as far as our building is concerned. And, of course, one of the things that he brought up was the fact that, and we, we already know one factor and that is that wood products are just uh they're they're very expensive right now um and he brought this up uh, that i hadn't even thought about the fact that nothing's going to go down because of some of the things that have happened that the price of gas is continuing to go up and you know everything is driven by the price of gas um Uh, building products groceries clothes everything is driven by the price of gas And, and we know that to be true but we also know this greater is he that is in us than he that is in the white house or the governor mansion or anywhere else in the world and so the great thing about all this this is how god works Man, it may not be a great time to build, but you know what? It also wasn't a great time to buy a piece of property either. It wasn't a great time to, uh, uh, to count on finances. And yet through 2020, God continued to provide and God will continue to provide. So this is just a great opportunity for us to be reminded of the fact that God doesn't change his mind. And God doesn't get into something and say, whoa, we bit off a lot more than we can chew and god will never leave us or forsake us i think that we can be thankful of that very very thing god knew what was going to happen before the election took place god knows it all and he sees it all and god cares about us so again regardless of how you might feel there are days you don't feel like you're saved But it doesn't change the fact if you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you are saved. You are a Christian, and that does not change. You are a child of God, and that can never change. You are sealed by the Holy Ghost, and that can never change. And so John challenges us in his gospel and in this epistle that we are to be a confident people. Not confident in ourselves, but confident in our God. Look again how he starts this section here in verse number 19. Hereby we know. Notice he he uses the phrase we know and the phrase assure our hearts. And so he says we can have assurance, we can know. And Christians are to have confidence. And one of the things we are to have confidence about, number one, is our condition. We can have confidence in our condition. Notice John is emphatic about our assurance. Hereby, we know that we are in the truth. And, you know, I know that some people don't like this because cultures change and We know that even certain definitions change, and uh, especially in the cancel culture that we live in today, something that was uh, perfectly fine to say 20 years ago, you can lose your job for it today 20 years later. But God's truth never changes. It's always the same. And so hereby we know that we are of the truth. Truth isn't might be. Truth is not could be, truth is not should be, truth is absolute, and I'm thankful for absolute truth. I'm thankful for black and white, and in some cases in our Bible, red and white, absolute truth. Truth, we call the word of God truth, yet we often are guilty of treating it like it's a probability, or like maybe it has changed. Now, the Word of God tells us the truth about our condition and then gives us the true remedy to our condition. And thank the Lord, that remedy does not change. Um, There's no different strains uh, of sin where God has to come up with a new vaccination. Here's the thing. The book of Hebrews tells us that uh, there is no more sacrifice for sin there is no more vaccine. There's one, and it took place once and for all, and it'll take care of all of them uh, for here, now, and eternity. 1 John 5 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. I probably should have just had you turn to that one since we're so close to it. This is one of those great verses that uh, we use uh, for people who uh, are newly saved and maybe are concerned that they could lose their salvation. But 1 John five thirteen says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. We've already established 1 John was written to believers. And he says, These things have I written unto you that believe that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Wow, I called upon Jesus to save me when I was seven years old. And do I need to have a booster shot? Or do I, do I need to have a, a, a different kind of, of forgiveness? I mean, that was quite a few years ago. No, it's still the same. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, whether you are 7, whether you are 10, whether you are 13, whether you are 40, it matters not if you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, then you can know you have eternal life, and ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Also in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 20, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 20, as he closes out this letter, John says, and we know. It's interesting if you go through the book of 1 John and just underline all the times that he says, we know, we know, we know. I mean, look at verse number 18. We know. Verse number 19 of 1 John chapter 5. We know. Verse number 20 of 1 John chapter 5. And we know that the Son of God is come. And hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. There is only one God and this is he. There is only one way, one truth, one life and this is he. And it cannot change, it has not changed, it will not change. And we can always be confident in that very thing. Man, in this world of change, it is so nice to have something that does not change. Which, by the way, is why what churches teach ought not change, what preachers preach ought not change, and our Bible ought not change. Our salvation is not a possibility, It is a definite reality when you accept Christ as your Savior. Our forgiveness is not a possibility. It is a reality. And likewise, the same can be said about every other doctrine and promise in the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 reminds us to study, to show thyself approved unto God. What is it that we are to study not changing cultures. We are to study the never changing word of God. And get to know the never, uh, the never changing son of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman. That is those who do what they study. A workman that needeth. Not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, we used to have this teacher when I was in college. Everyone loved the teacher as far as his teaching. Um, he was an older teacher, and one of the things that he uh, one of the classes that he taught uh, was uh, on the book of Acts, and when he would get into paul 's missionary journeys. Um, we all used to joke that he was telling us, giving us first-hand stories because he was there. But that's how he talked, like he was there. It was very interesting, and, and he'd have you riveted, and we could just, we could sit in his class forever. The problem was when it came to his tests and his quizzes, he would test us and quiz us on things that we hadn't gone over and it was uh, it was just it, it was hard sometimes you know most most teachers by the first test i could pretty much figure out how they were going to test and then you would know what you were to study with his test, you would study you would memorize the notes and there would still be stuff on that test that he hadn't that he hadn't gone over you know um and So sometimes getting a good grade on the test was next to impossible. That's not the thing with our God. He's gone over it all. Everything that will cause you to be a workman that is profitable and that is approved of God, everything is in here that you need. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God. You know it's interesting that you not only need the studying part, you also need the application part, the workman part. My wife and I were talking this up. Uh, we were talking this afternoon, and I don't even know what brought the subject up, but uh, we were uh, going through our years in the ministry and and how that some of the most miserable people that I've ever known are people who read the Bible and don't do it. It's just amazing how if you just read it and don't do it, the Bible will cause great stress in your life if you don't apply it and see how wonderful it is and how it works in your life but uh we were just naming uh some people off some people that we've known throughout the years and some people that we've ministered to throughout the years who would pour themselves into the bible but their church attendance was sporadic they'd never go on visitation they were uh they 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 didn't uh they weren't really givers uh, they didn't minister to people. They, they didn't do the word of God. They poured themselves into studying it. But notice the Bible says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. James talks about, be, uh, to, about being doers of the word and not hearers only. And I thought how interesting that is. I'll never forget, um, we had a, a lady that used to uh, attend our, our church and her husband, never came and so i went and visited him one time and i went and knocked on the door and he opened the door and then when i introduced myself he immediately started uh well accosting me he just uh, started yelling at me at things that we teach and things that we believe and and he said uh, and he actually he invited me in and he showed me this massive library that he had and he says, you can't teach me anything that I don't already know, essentially, because I spend all my time reading and studying the Bible. The problem is, he wasn't doing it. He was one of the, mo- he was one of the meanest, orneriest, uh, angriest, most uh, unhappy people I have ever met. And you know, as I look back through my ministry, those were the unhappiest people that I've ever had to deal with and ever had to minister to are people who spend all their time reading the Bible in the, on the internet, reading and not doing, and they're miserable. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. There's a reason that we read it. It's not so we can continue just reading it and and even memorizing it and not applying it. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. I think there's a reason, there's an anecdotal reason that God says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. The Bible is a two edged sword, it's a double edged sword. I want to tell you something. If you're not applying both edges, it'll do nothing but, but cause, uh, cause discomfort in one's life. My, the blessings that come from not only reading it, but putting it into practice. You can't describe them. You have to experience them. You can't explain them. You have to apply them. It's hard to explain to someone who's never tithed the benefits of tithing, the satisfaction of tithing, the blessing of tithing. It's hard to explain to someone the euphoria that comes from giving someone the gospel and having them come to know Christ as personal savior. It's hard to explain to someone who never invites someone to church the excitement that comes when that one person out of two or three hundred that you invite actually comes, and then that one person whose life is completely transformed because they came to church, came to know Christ as Savior, and you got to watch them as they grew in the Lord. My, if you've never experienced that, you're missing out because there's no feeling like it and it can't possibly be explained. You can't explain to someone who's never sat through a missions conference, allowed the Holy Spirit to get a hold of them and then gave by faith beyond their ability and how blessed that is to be able to do that. You can't explain that to somebody. Oh, they can read it in the word of God, but until they apply it, they're never going to understand a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Because when you do the work of God, it will cause you the opposite of being ashamed. You will find God never lets us down. And there is... A blessing that comes with that, that cannot be explained, it can only be experienced. The truth is to be the assurance that assures our hearts when the doubts arise. Let's look at, get back to our uh, main text here in the book of First John, First John chapter three. And hereby know we that we are of the truth. He says, we can be sure of our condition. He's writing to believers. You can be sure of your condition. You are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. Notice the second part of verse number 19. And shall assure our hearts before him. Because sometimes our condition is questioned by our conscience. Look at verse number uh, 20. If our heart condemn us. Ever have your heart condemn you? Here's what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Sometimes your own heart will condemn you. By bringing up things that you've done in the past or or even bringing up failures of the present. Man, how can you be a child of God? You know you're on your way to hell now. I mean, our own hearts will do that to us. How could you think something like that? How could you do something like that? Uh, How could you act like that when our hearts condemn us? Now, conviction is good. Guilt is good. But guilt is not the ultimate goal of conviction. Repentance is the ultimate goal of conviction. Guilt helps us to get there. But man, once there's repentance, then guilt goes from being an asset to being um, a, a deficit, if you will. In spite of our conscience, the doubts will arise. This deceitful heart, it, um, it, it condones the lost, while at times condemning the saved. Satan uh, uses this to get us to doubt our Savior. When we doubt his ability to save us, we cannot effectively serve him. And when we doubt his ability to forgive us, we cannot effectively serve him. And when we doubt his ability to satisfy us, I remember that's exactly what he did to Eve in the garden. He got Eve's heart to condemn the way that she was living. She was living a life of obedience. And Satan came along and he said, You know, there's more to life. And you ought to try it. And then her heart began to condemn her. Well, this, and she began to question herself. To the point that she looked at the fruit and saw that it was good for food. She tasted it and tasted that it, that it was good. And that it was one to make one wise. And it gave her uh, an experience to the point that she gave it to her husband. Feelings are a dangerous thing. And that's what uh, Satan will get us to do. Live according to our feelings. One of the rules of flight is trust your instruments, not your feelings. Many a pilot has crashed in peacetime without receiving fire from any enemy because he trusted in feelings rather than in his instruments, particularly flying in the dark. You know, trusting your feelings will cause you to do things you shouldn't even, uh, that you shouldn't do even though the instruments or God's word informs you you ought to be doing something else but your feelings are saying no you ought to go this way it just it feels right boy with some of our teenagers he's lost you know what the bible says oh but he feels right you just don't understand i know i know better than anyone because no one knows how i feel well god knows how you feel which is why he says that feelings are deceitful There's nothing more deceitful on this planet than our own personal feelings. How can you trust God to tithe if you're letting your heart convince you that you probably are going to fail or that you're probably not even saved? If Satan can get us to doubt this part, hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, remember this, God's greater than our heart. Man, and our hearts will condemn us, cause us to question our salvation, cause us to question being a child of God. Our hearts may condemn us, causing us to remember all the sins that we've committed from which we can't even forgive ourselves. But the truth says God is greater than our conscience. I don't know about you. I'm thankful... That when I stand before God, it's not going to be dependent on how I feel that day. It's not going to be dependent upon my conscience. Like the instruments on the airplane, he knows things that we cannot possibly know. And so we need to let God navigate. He assures us. He says, this is salvation. He says, this is the way you need to live. He says, this is the truth, and he assures our hearts. If our heart condemn us, God's greater than our heart, and God knows all things. So the doubts can be quenched if we don't live according to our feelings. Then we've given the reins to God. Doubting God is evidence that we're letting the heart reign, and the key is constantly studying And performing God's word. Remember that phrase. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Uh, Proverbs 16.3. Commit thy works unto the Lord. And thy thoughts shall be established. One of the ways to attack those doubts. uh, Once you uh, have accepted Christ as your personal savior. And you know for sure. One of the ways to accept those doubts. Is get busy for the Lord. Commit your works unto the Lord. Because you're going to find that you are able to do things beyond your ability. And you know this. Only God could do this. Only God could get me through this. So we can be sure of our condition. In spite of our conscience. We also need to realize confidence comes from obedience to God's commandments verse number 21 beloved, beloved if our heart condemn us not then we have confidence toward God and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments you know that answers to prayers are conditional upon whether we're living according to God's commandments. God is not obligated to answer any of our prayers. He's he set conditions, just like he set conditions upon uh, on our blessings. Hey, in well with the children of Israel. Remember he said, "I have placed before you blessings and cursings." He says you can choose one or the other. If you choose to obey me, blessings. You choose to reject me, cursing. God is not obligated to bless just because we are children of God. He is, however, obligated to bless when we live in obedience to him. And so obedience assures us of answered prayers. On the contrary, disobedience assures us of unanswered prayers. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's Psalm uh, 66 verse number 18 john nine thirty-one. we know that god heareth not sinners but if any man be a worshiper of god and doeth his will him he heareth and so when we ask god in obedience and in accordance to his will we can be confident that he hears us we can have assurance. He's not always going to answer the way we want him to answer, but he will answer in ways that is best for us. He, and this is the confidence. Well, 1 John five, fourteen. Since it's here, I'll have you turn over there again. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14. Many of you have this memorized. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So if we're living in his will and we ask according to his will, the Bible says he hears us. So obedience is assurance of his presence. And then there's... Getting back to 1 John chapter 3, the confidence in his commitment. 1 John chapter uh, 3, verse number 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. So not only do we dwell in him when we keep his commandments, the Bible says he dwells in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. There's the commitment to fellowship, there's the commitment of the Holy Spirit for security, for understanding. For security, we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13. That when we trusted in him, after we heard of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed in that uh, Holy Spirit of promise. But we can be confident in this. A seal of God cannot be broken. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We read in the book of uh, Romans. Nothing. He, He gives us that long list that even, even death, nor height, nor death, any other creature can separate us from the love of God. We are sealed. Hebrews, uh, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 4.30, however, says we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. And so there's a promise right there. How long are we sealed? Until we mess up. Well, according to those who say you can lose your salvation, yes, until you mess up. But if you go according to the word of God, it's until the day of redemption. Only God can break that seal. Not only has God uh, committed the Holy Spirit to us for our security, he's committed the Holy Spirit to us for our understanding. In John sixteen thirteen, we read how be it when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall speak not of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. In First John two, where since we're in First John, let's look at this one. First John chapter two. Verse number 27, and we went over this when we were in this portion of 1 John. The anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Of course, John's talking there about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that he heard Jesus talk about, which he recorded in his gospel, John chapter 16. And so it is so nice to know there's been things in this world that we've had confidence in. I've had confidence in the Constitution of the United States of America my entire life, but the The older I get, the more I realize people, (laughs) it changes. People change. Man, I've had confidence in this country, and things are changing drastically. You know, one of the things that uh, I'm thankful for is that it has taught me this. Don't trust in anything in this world, no matter how much you love it. Because only God is never changing. Only God is reliable. Only God is trustworthy. Only God will always be there for you. And it's caused me to just rely that much more. Not as much as I ought to. That's a growing thing every day. Relying on the word of God. And, uh, and realizing the benefit of the church of God. You know, there is one thing we can have confidence in, and if you're not living according to the Word of God, it's because confidence is in something else. And so we always need to ask ourselves, you know, as we talk about renewing our minds daily, every day, what am I trusting in today? What am I investing in today? What am I committed to today? Because if this disappears But I still have God. Am I fine? I may be hurting, but thank the Lord, God never changes. I can count on this very fact. I don't know who's going to be with me tomorrow. But I know God will be with me tomorrow, so long as I'm with him, because he doesn't change. Let's have every head bowed. And every eye closed, with every head bowed, and with every eye closed. What am I trusting?